0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Close Podcast, New York City's real estate podcast. Uh, I'm Cooper Knowlton. I am lucky to be joined by uh, both Mike and Lee today. A rare appearance by all three of us. Um, you guys want to just say hi for the for the viewers at home?
1: Yeah, hi. You're right. It's been a while since all three of us were on. We usually have great guests that we're interviewing, so we'll we'll be our own guests today, I guess.
0: Um, great. I'm going yeah. to
2: pass on saying hello. We'll just go right to the content. <laughs> I'm not.
1: All right. Not so
0: today, today's topic. Um, all the podcasts that I've that I listen to uh, have just finished their year and their 2022 wrap ups and uh, making predictions about 2023. Uh, so figured it was only appropriate that we jumped on the trend and tried to do something similar ourselves. So we're not going to look backwards. We're not going to do any any uh, retrospective. But we are we are going to move forward and and think about um, what, what is coming, uh, in front of us specifically in, you know, the short term in in the next few months and and maybe, um, 2023, 2024. Um, but just kind of looking at, looking at the, at the trends and, and specifically in the housing market and the commercial market in New York city and, um, just chatting about those. So with that, uh, maybe I'll throw it over to you, Lee and, uh, sorry, I'll, I'll start with you, Mike. Um, and, uh, maybe we can start on, on the residential side. Um, obviously, as we were chatting before we before we started recording, the the big elephant in the room right now is uh, is the interest rates and, and how those are affecting the housing market. Um, maybe you can give us kind of your insight on on how those will continue to shape the market and um, what what you think the next couple months uh, look like.
1: Definitely. And I'm, I'm certain that you you shifted gears to me because I look so much more prepared. I have my glasses on, I look nice and smart. If people are watching gonna, that video. That
0: first question, the first question, I had it all teed up for Lee, and Lee looked like he was potentially looking at his phone or <laughs> answering emails.
1: Lee's checking email. I, 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 really, I haven't been paying attention since this podcast. But <laughs> so. uh, yeah, so yeah, interest rates have been probably the the economic story. I would say not just in real estate, but you know, for all of 2022, we're trying to turn the page now. And actually, I don't think the Fed meets in January. You know, the Fed, uh, as as I think probably most people listening to this know, they don't exactly set the rates on mortgage loans you know, for residential or commercial, but, th- but they have a big impact. Uh, so I think everybody who I've talked to, uh, and I guess I talked to a lot of optimistic people, seem to think that as long as inflation uh, is static or not going up too much, uh, we're still gonna see some interest rate increases built in, uh, but maybe not as dramatic and as often as last year I uh, actually, before we jumped on here, had to go back and take a look uh, at how many times the Fed raised their target rate. It was actually seven times last year, and I didn't even realize this until I looked at it. The target rate that as of their December meeting was four four and a quarter is actually the highest it's been since '08. And for those of us that were in the business or even just in the working world in '08, you know the comparisons. Uh, or, and, and the memories come, come streaming back to mind, um, but it it seems like from from everything that the Fed is indicating and they're trying to be pretty communicative about this, they're looking at like a terminal rate of around 5% that they'll hopefully ease into over the course of 23. And, you know, really, if if you look back historically, to to even long before any of us were were old enough to even follow interest rates, or, or certainly deal in real estate, uh, rates are not historically that bad, right? We're looking at at in the residential side, rates in the sixes as of as of the date of this podcast, and even on the commercial side, I think some of the the rates that we're seeing really good investors getting are in the sixes. Now the, the terms vary a lot more on the commercial side, but. Uh, historically not terrible. So I think if we stayed at this range or if it stays a little more predictable, it will be easier for the deals to start flowing again. But I think the the unpredictability and the dramatic rise we saw in 22 certainly froze up the residential market. I mean, I think, uh, you know, even, even in New York City where you have a lot more cash buyers, uh, you know, cash buyers necessarily want to pay uh, you know prices; that they don't need to, and they are watching what's happening uh, with with interest rates also. And if they're look if they're able to get a deal, and they want to offer less money, sellers are not always, you know, inclined to drop their price so quickly. So I would say the on the residential side and the commercial side, we've got a little bit of a standstill where sellers are either hoping to to wait out. Uh, you know, the, this, the, the inflation increases we've seen and the interest rate increases we've seen, um, and that's causing inventory to be low and prices to not drop the way buyers would want. And on the buyer side, it's an affordability issue. Uh, so people can't, if they're financing, or even if they're not, and, and they just want to make a smart purchase, they're not going to be offering the same price as they were at the beginning of 22 a year ago uh, because rates have just gone up so much. So I don't think I gave anybody any uh any unknowns any unknown insights there um but i would say that on the residential side it's sort of a a simpler equation right because if you if you live someplace and you're paying let's say three percent on a 30-year mortgage uh you know it probably makes sense for people to just stay put keep paying those uh payments at that rate and not move to either someplace where you're paying a higher amount in rent and you're not building any equity or move into something where you have a 6% rate and maybe you're even downsizing, but increasing your payment. So I think that's a lot of the standstill with sellers. Um, and if, if rates stabilize, uh, if, if buyers are able to get a little bit of a discount, uh, if more sellers come on the market, you know whether you can hold out or not, you can't stop the tide from going back out. So if sellers start to come on the market and there's more competition, I think that'll naturally bring prices down. Uh, on, on the commercial side, it's a little more complicated. If you're an owner and you, you have a mortgage on your property, you know, you probably don't have a 30-year term. You might have a 10-year term, you might have a five-year term. Uh, you might have a balloon payment that you need to refinance at the end of your term. And maybe, you know, maybe the end of your term is coming up soon. Uh, maybe you're a fund and you have an investment property, and you have, you know, I'll, I'll just, not that, not that we represent Blackstone, we're not quite at that level, but but they're making probably the biggest headlines for people who are asking for, uh, you know, their, their money back. They're, they're looking for, uh, you know, a redemption, uh, even if the fund is stable, because they just needed to pay bills, uh, or they have other worries, they want to be in cash. Uh, so, you know, if, if you're a fund and you own real estate, and you have all these withdrawal requests, redemption requests, you know, it, it, it comes down to whether you can prevent the redemptions before the market corrects itself, or if you have to maybe have a fire sale just to meet your redemptions, and that's, that's going to bring your value down. Uh, so a lot more complicated factors on the commercial side, but I think if things stabilize and can get a little more predictable, for lenders and for buyers and sellers, I, I think people will have to adapt and prices eventually will th- I think they have to come down uh, unless the Fed you know completely reverses course and surprises everybody in 23 uh, I, I think it's inevitable, but maybe it's not going to be as dramatic and quick as everybody thinks, at least not in the New York area and I just said a whole lot so i'll let I'll let Lee or even you Cooper chime in if you want. But I just feel like that was all right on the surface, and we might as well just get it out there.
0: It was only, there's I mean, only the- eight, eight minutes of, of <laughs> <only> an eight <laughs> minute
1: monologue, yeah. <laughs> on interest rates, which
2: not only is the podcast over, but all future podcasts. <laughs> Nobody have- wants to now- listen anymore. We sold all of the content for yeah. the next year. We're good. I mean, I think the bottom line, you know, <laughs> kind of like, like boil it down to a log line is there. There's no discount. There's no inventory right yeah. now. So there's no sales. Uh, I think when you see one or the other start to shift, you can see the market shift, but, um, and I, and I would imagine that one or the other will shift in the coming year at some point, but.
0: Do you, get, then, do, you, do you get the sense that New York city is behaving kind of the same? Like are, are the markets the same in long Island, um, and Westchester and New Jersey and New York City, or or is New York City um, kind of an outlier in any in any way?
1: I have an answer, but I want to give Lee a chance to say something.
2: No, Mike. I mean, I think you would. You know, we look. Obviously, we don't we don't um, we don't handle a ton of Westchester real estate, even though I live there. Um, Mike obviously knows the Long Island market exceptionally well, and I think the New York City market is always more static than those markets, but I'll let Mike kind of give his two cents
1: yeah, as well. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's definitely a case we made that the New York is always going to be different uh, for commercial and residential. Uh, certainly more cash buyers that, that buy apartments uh, in New York or, or brownstones or whatever, um, and they're not going to be as impacted by rates. It's really just if, if they want to keep tabs on how that affects pricing generally, but they're, if they're not borrowing money then rates aren't going to really matter as much for cash buyers. So just having more cash buyers and more foreign borrowers in general, uh, borrowers, buyers, uh, who maybe if they invested in their home country would be looking at a much worse or much riskier return. Um, it, it's always going to be different because of those factors. Um, but yeah, Long Island is, is definitely at, at a little bit of a standstill, I would say. I think for properties that are priced well, I still do see some bidding wars come across my desk, but they're not publicized the way they were, you know, earlier in the year, or certainly in 21, you know, that was making headlines, those long lines around the block at open houses. Uh, haven't seen one of those in, in quite some time. And I, I, I think New York City is coming to that, uh, you know, level of inactivity just a little bit later than the surrounding suburbs. Uh, and if you know if you compare that to markets like in Phoenix or or any of the sunbelt states where they have a lot more room to build and they have they have actual residential bubbles i think those are the places where you're really going to see the dramatic decreases and and you you are already seeing dramatic decreases in pricing um but right now the 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 story is still all about just the the lack of volume people are just not transacting right now so it's really kind of hard to to figure out what the fair value even is when people aren't transacting as much. And I think we are seeing that in yep. New York City on, on residential and commercial side.
0: Are there are there any other, before we kind of shift gears to the commercial side, are there any other factors that you see that are that are shaping that or have the ability to to kind of impact that in a material way in 2023? I mean, obviously the the biggest thing you said was just kind of maybe not even rates going down but just stability with the with the interest rates and and more uh, maybe a little more predictability but beyond interest rates uh, and and are there any other factors that you think we should be paying attention to that might shake up the markets or I mean obviously like I mean the, the most obvious one is just like a major recession um which would probably further slow things down. Um, more more jobs being more people being laid off obviously I'm assuming that affects the housing markets in a, in a significant way but are there any other things that you think like might be on the horizon that could turn the market one way or the other beyond beyond interest rates
1: I think uh, and, and lee can jump in on this or, or go in a different direction but i I think you know rental rates are especially on the residential side are another key factor because rents have gone up uh, a lot of increases in 2022. Um, and, and there is, we, we've actually even had some guests on this show who've, who've talked about, uh, you know, the housing crisis, the affordable housing crisis that New York city and the surrounding areas are facing. Um, and, and the state government has, has been doing what they can, you know, to try to incentivize more housing. Uh, but that's going to take a while. So I, I think that that's kind of a slower moving factor uh, that can help things. But obviously, if if people look at what it costs them per month to own something with a mortgage, or just to rent something, where they're not getting any of the the economic benefits or stability of owning, it becomes a no brainer for for people that can qualify for a mortgage at a certain point. Uh, so something that something has to give, and maybe it's it's rental rates, maybe it's people. You know, finally saying, "Well, we can't afford the rent anyway," and even if they don't want to yeah. leave the city, you know, maybe maybe saying, "Hey, working from home in you know rural Pennsylvania." Not that I'm picking on that area, uh, but it's more affordable. Obviously, it, maybe that's a better option for us. Um, I don't I'm know sure. if you have any, any thoughts is that, on that. What's that music?
0: Is that is that a siren in the background, or is that yeah, the sounds of
1: New York City? I could hear
0: that. That's pretty
1: impressive. Yeah.
0: I mean, one additional
2: thing that what Mike said, and I think we're, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but in terms of the state working to create more housing, obviously the, the expiration of 421A, the tax abatement uh, factors into the availability of, of both new luxury housing and affordable housing, depending on, um, the type of housing that was that it was being used for, I know the governor has a plan to, or has said publicly that she intends to increase the number of housing units by something like eight hundred thousand new units. Um, I don't know how she does that without 421A. I don't know what's going to uh, incentivize developers to build in the wake of the expiration of that program. So, uh, not just not to say that that uh, um, you know not to talk about politics at all, whether we're an advocate for or against that program, but um, something would need to incentivize development in order to increase inventory in a way that's going to significantly impact the market, maybe not just in 2023, but but moving forward. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on. Can, can the governor find a path towards uh, achieving that goal? Gotcha.
0: Um- Lee, well, maybe maybe we can turn more now towards um, the commercial side of things and and chat briefly about uh, where where the commercial markets uh, are likely looking to go in the coming year. I think um, the the main story, one of the main stories in the last year, has been kind of the the slow return to office life in New York City and people returning to work, and um, obviously that's had an impact on the the market in twenty twenty two, but. I imagine 2023 is kind of the year where that's really going to sort of with the pandemic kind of maybe in the rearview mirror or at least turning a new chapter uh on on the pandemic or starting a new chapter. I think uh ha- you know, curious to know how that how that will play out in 2023 or how you think it's going to play out?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you know, in talking to people over the course of the last year, I think a lot of people were of the view that 2022 was going to be kind of the first time that we started to find out what was going to happen to the New York city office market. You know, 2020, obviously was a complete outlier. 2021, maybe there was something of a return to normalcy towards the end, but 2022 was going to be the year. Well, it wasn't really the year. Um, <clears throat> so the question is, is, uh, was it the year, you know, is 2022 or the end 22 kind of, a harbinger of what's going to happen over the course of the next few years, or are we still kind of moving towards some new normal that we're not totally sure what it is yet? I mean, obviously, um, office leasing has not even come close to back to what it was. Uh, I think the return to offices is slower than anticipated. Um, I know that a number of bigger companies are, requiring employees to come in either part-time or, or full-time. Um, there are just so many variables. It's really, really hard to predict. I can't imagine that we're going to see uh, growth in the office market in 2023 from pre-pandemic you know from pre levels. It's just not going to happen. Uh, so I think we need to kind of figure out what the new normal is for us, and we're not there yet. And I don't really know... What it's going to be, I guess. My guess is that it's going to be a little bit closer to 2019 and 2020, ultimately. But does that happen in 2023? I don't know. Might not happen until 2024 or 2025. You also have all these businesses, and we we know this from from our own experience, that kind of um, subleased their bigger space to opportunistic companies who are looking for more space and saw so good opportunities. Downgraded as kind of a, let's wait and see. You know, some of our employees are coming in, some aren't. Uh, there's opportunity there for those companies when when we when they feel like they want to you know dive back into the market to take on bigger space. Um, and I don't know if that's going to happen just yet, but I I do think that eventually companies are going to want people to come in. People are going to want to come in. Um, and we're going to, we're going to get closer to 2019, never back to exactly what it was, but I think eventually we're going to get there. I just don't know if 2023 is the year we might see a a substantially similar year to 2022 for New York city office leasing. Yeah. And
1: I think 22 was, was kind of off to a pretty good start. I think the first half we saw some, some return to normalcy and, and we certainly saw more, more companies looking to to either renew their space or get new space. Uh, but I think I think actually the economy uh, had just as much to do with, with the stall out in New York City offices, uh, especially, as as anything else. I mean, I think you, you already had workers who discovered what working from home was like and that they could still be productive. Uh, you also have, it, we, it's kind of a freak set of circumstances for employers, right? Because you have a shortage of of uh, people who are qualified and looking for work, uh, so you have low unemployment, uh, you have demands for higher wages because everything else is going up, inflation is going up. Your, your rent, if you're a company, especially renting in New York City is always going to be one of your biggest cost centers. So, you know, if you're the, the Comptroller or a CFO of a company who's based in New York City or has New York City offices, you know, you have, you have all these factors to deal with. You're trying to keep your, your employees happy and with you because it's hard to replace them. They're asking for more money. They don't want to come into the space that you're paying a lot of money for. And, you know, if, if the economy just in general gets better and things get less expensive, that could just be, you know, what what what's holding offices from coming back. I mean, I think there's always going to be some kind of hybrid component that, you know, COVID was, was really like a... It, it was a, it was a turning point in just how people think about work. Uh, but I think what we've seen in the aftermath, up until you know the, the economic headwinds that we've been talking about later in twenty two, what we were seeing was you know some kind of return to hybrid and and the general consensus that at least a few days a week in office, whether it's rotating people in or not, can be helpful and useful pr- for production and creativity. So I, I, I think we've kind of passed that test and being in office is not completely dead. I think it's just it's stalled out and it's still never going to be exactly the way it was. Um, but I'm, I'm almost more just excited to see how it how it plays out because it's so hard to predict. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's going to be an interesting year, I think. Here's what I know
2: is coming back. Restaurants, entertainment, yeah. people want to get out and have fun. And I am, as like, I know I no longer live in New York City, but as someone who loves the city, lived here for a long time, I'm really excited to see what happens to some of these, these spaces that closed up during COVID that were home to, you know, scale, older New York City type of institutions. How are they gonna be used? You know, are there gonna be creative new um, restaurateurs or entertainment venues that come into these spaces? And create new modern experiences for people in the wake of COVID. I'm I'm really excited to see how that plays out because I think it's starting to play out a little bit already. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm just kind of curious to see how that evolves over the course of the next year.
0: I think. I mean, I think a lot of the is as we were circulating um, like year end, uh, like some some of these articles that we're talking about, some of the things that we're talking about. I think um, experiential retail. Is really, is that me.
2: No, it's a fire fire engine out
1: yeah that was that was me uh, just forgetting to silence my phone which is linked to my computer and it. everything my, else my
0: wife, my wife just my wife just texted me and said she has a flat tire so we might have to we might have to wrap up fairly we were, quickly I, I think we kind of exhausted that? it
1: right there are a couple other things we we could talk about but i think if people are still listening and have their attention span <laughs> intact you know
2: Mike, they stop, they stop. listening yeah, during the first. I, I may, I may I think, have killed
1: the, yeah. the attention span of all but the most interested in interest rates, which I don't know. I, I guess we probably have a fair number of those in our our database. But yeah, probably 75% think, uh, were just, out just after, to, after my initial joke. Just to, <laughs>
0: <laughs> just to, re- to revisit that point. And I, I do think you're right that I think we're going to be talking a lot more about like what retail looks like and how retail spaces are repurposed and reused and people who are doing innovative things. Cause I think the day of the, just like a, a, a storefront, just being a storefront is, is, you know, past now it's like a running store that doubles as a coffee shop. That is a, you know, a, a movie theater at night. It's like every, everyone has like, you've got to have like two or three, two or three different purposes for every space. And people are being really savvy about how they're, how they're doing things and, um, here, here's,
2: here's one really cool example. We took my daughter to the camp store in Union Square last week during the, the week between Christmas and New Year's, and they have like an immersive Encanto experience in the back of the store. So, um, and, and I know that, that that's happening at multiple camp locations all over the city. Um, and it's really smart, it's a way to drive business into retail in a way that it wouldn't necessarily happen without that type of experience. Can other businesses learn from models like that? Can restaurants learn from models like that? Can, I don't know, offices learn from models like that. I think people don't necessarily want to leave their house, uh, anymore just because that's how things used to happen. You have to figure out ways to get people to leave, uh, and then reintroduce them to your business in an in innovative way. So
0: office I, I, office spaces, office spaces have the exact, I mean, I think a lot of people are, I, I was just listening to this Ezra Klein podcast about like the future of work and was talking a lot about how people have like, you know, not thought at all about how to reuse office space, right? It's the same idea. It's like, and especially in in the present world where people are like, yeah, we want you to come in two days and you have huge staffs that are coming in two days and people are coming in different days and they're coming in and sitting on, you know, zoom calls all day. Right. Yeah. And it's like, why the fuck did I, excuse my language? Sorry. This is a, it's
1: a mature audience, why did I, sorry. why did
0: I, why did I waste my time commuting in when I'm just, you know, yeah. talking to you know this person on, on zoom all day and doing the same thing. Like you've got to be smart about using your office space. You got to be smart about using your retail space because there is, there's, there's more, uh, there's, there's different options that people have and, um, I think uh, I think that's exactly right. And I think I think that's going to you know t- tying this back to kind of what we're talking about, I think that is going to be a real trend. Like the people who who are successful in retail, are successful in offices, you can't just do things the way things were done pre-2019. Yep. You have got to kind of think outside the box, especially in New York. City. I mean, look
2: at one look at one of our first closed guests, Tent, you know, Andy Grover from Tend. Um, they've kind of figured out a way to get people to want to go to the dentist uh, by just making it more experiential. I think that's going to be everything. If you can kind of figure – if you can tap into a way to get consumers excited about um, engaging with your product in some way, whether it's in retail or if it's professional services, just, just speaking to you, you're going to have an edge right now. Um, and I, and that's kind of what I want to see happen in the New York City real estate market, what I'm excited
1: to see uh, happen over the course of next year. Yeah. Yeah, especially, especially for offices because many of the people coming into off or being forced to come into offices in New York City have, you know, hour and a half, sometimes two-hour commutes door-to-door. And like you said, Cooper, if you're, if you're going to do that and then sit on Zoom all day or say, oh, I can't get this done today because so-and-so didn't come in, it's their off day, that's going to get really frustrating. And I think yeah. from what I see from people I know who work in the suburbs – it's like it's like a nice relief and they want to go into the office because it's a 10 minute drive from their house and you know if if they if they want to pick up their kid from school if that's the routine they've gotten into if they want to work from home you know four o'clock on they have that option but to actually be able to drive 10 minutes and just get real work done but in a professional environment that's that's a great thing whereas if if you had to turn that 10 minutes two hours and maybe taking a train and maybe there are delays or there's traffic and it's very expensive to even buy lunch in new york city all all these things are going to make you really really reluctant to come in unless you're forced to or or absolutely have to um so it's new york city kind of like amplifies everything um the good and the bad uh but if, if if the workspace has has more amenities or if it's a little more comfortable it that's that's yet to be determined how how easily you can incentivize people but I think it's pretty important. Pretty important. Retail is more local.
0: Yeah. All right.
1: Well, Leave it there. we'll, uh,
0: we'll, we'll bank, we'll bank this one. We'll, uh, we'll listen to it at the end of this year and, uh, see how we do. <laughs> and, uh, will make, our I think, I think, I think I did great
1: personally. I think I, I think I hit all the, predictions I think you're, you're, and your silence in the beginning was golden. You, uh, and who's your, who's your, we'll,
0: we'll end it with who's, who's your, uh, who's your Super Bowl prediction right now with the playoffs a week away?
2: Oh, I don't know. The Chiefs. Probably a safe Those bet. Probably, probably I mean, a we'll see.
0: We'll, we, we, we'll see how you do. And at the end of the year, we'll, we'll look back on this. One thing that I, one thing
2: that I wanted to just mention really quickly, maybe we saved this for a whole other episode is cannabis, which we didn't talk about at all. Yeah. Um, because licenses are, I believe, going, have already been issued. I think
0: think they've started to be issued.
2: Started to be issued. Um, I think uh, particularly because there's this big hole in the, in the market. And we were talking about ways to get people energized to come back to New York city to go shopping. I think um, I think cannabis is going to be really interesting to watch and see how that plays out.
1: Are you suggesting that, that if, if people can can smoke or have gummies during the day, they'll come in.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and then they'll also walk around and shop more. They'll definitely go to restaurants. They'll right? definitely
1: use restaurants more. That's just, just from what I hear.
2: Yeah. Uh maybe maybe we'll do our twenty twenty three episode and we'll all we'll all have a gummy before we uh we make our predictions.
1: So that will be a little it's life I mean, later. I'll I'll leave that to the former prosecutor to to figure out yeah. you know whether or not there are any <laughs> federal implications with that still. It's okay. I think we're fine. <laughs>
0: All right, gang. Well, this has been fun. We'll
2: uh, we'll chat soon. Good luck on your uh, on the flat tire, Cooper. I yep. gotta
0: go to I gotta go to Pep Boys now. So do you know See how to later. change a flat? I I do, but I'm I'm glad that my wife said I'm at Pep Boys. Come pick me up, and so I don't have to I don't have to be tested.
1: No, okay. Then all right, right. Be- roll. Take Bye. care, guys. Take care, guys.
2: For more on all things real estate and the law, subscribe to this and our other podcasts. Follow Bergstein, Flynn, and Knowlton on social media. Subscribe to our newsletter and go to bfklawoffice.com. That's bfklawoffice.com to learn more.